to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I've entitled this message today a little different. I don't, I don't normally talk about the devil, but today I'm going to talk a little bit about the devil, but I'm going to ultimately talk about Jesus. But I've entitled this message, um, What is the Devil Up To Now? What's the devil up to now? And you'll understand in just a minute. Genesis chapter 27, I want to begin at verse 30. Genesis chapter 27, verse 30. Now it happened as soon as Isaac, so Isaac is the father of, of Jacob and Esau, so that you understand the story, and we'll eventually come back to this. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And so he said, because he's blind, he said, I'm your son, your firstborn, I Esau. And then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I've blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. Now now notice these last two verses. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And the answer was no. Well, he did, but it was a lesser blessing. You can be seated this morning. Again, I want to talk about what's the devil up to now. Um, I read a story this week that I thought was great. It's a story about during World War II, there were twins, identical twins, that both worked in the same branch uh, of service. One of them was stationed at an air base in California. The other was stationed at an air base in the Pacific. The one in the air base in California had the responsibility to seal the cockpit when the planes would take off to fly. The other one, his responsibility was to unseal the cockpit and let the, the pilot out when the plane landed at the base. And again, they were identical twins. So they had this little thing they loved to do to new pilots. The pilot would get in the, ba- in the aircraft in California, and the, and the one twin would seal it, and he'd, he'd look at him and he'd say, I'll see you when you get there, and he'd wink at him. And the pilot would go, what? And so he would get in his plane, he would fly across the Pacific into the air base, and when he landed, lo and behold, the same-looking guy with the same last name would meet him at his plane and unseal it. And as soon as he opened, he said, told you I'd meet you when I got here. I got here pretty fast, didn't I? And, and so they had this little thing they loved to do to pilots. Well, there's a story in the Bible not about identical twins, but about fraternal twins named Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Now, in the, in the Bible, names often have meaning. For example, the name Moses means drawn out because 
Moses' mother put him in an ark in the bulrushes in the Nile River, and then Pharaoh's daughter came along, found him, and drew him out of the water, and so that's why she named him Moses. And so Jacob and Esau were named uh, specifically. One twin, the firstborn, was called Esau because he was a hairy child. When he was born, he had hair all over him. So they didn't name him H-A-R-R-Y, Harry. They named him Esau because in the Hebrew, uh, Esau means hairy. So aren't some of you glad that your mother didn't name you for what you looked like when you were born? It could be bad. Could be U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, right? Some of you, that's what, okay. So then Jacob was born, and they named him Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver. Now, a supplanter is someone who wrongfully or illegally seizes and holds the place of another person. So think of a general in a third world country who has a coup d'etat and overthrows the president of that country and takes control of the government. That would be a supplanter. A deceptive person, we know what that is. That's a person who lies and who's misleading and is dishonest. And a liar can be a cheat or a swindler who uses deceit to take your money and your possessions. So think of something that a lot of elderly people have to deal with right now where a scam artist will call them on the phone and say, this is the IRS, you owe us $400, and, but tell you what, we'll not penalize you if you'll get a gift card with $400 and mail it to this address, and then they get people to, they scare them, and then they, they get their money from them. So supplanter, deceiver, okay? Now, I was reading, and I've never preached like this before, and God gave me this message a few weeks ago, and I was just overwhelmed with the revelation that God gave me. Now, I know eventually Jacob has a transformative experience with God, and his name is changed to Israel, and he becomes one of the founding fathers of not only Judaism, but a father of faith for us who believe just like his grandfather Abraham. But pre-transformative experience, saving experience, Jacob was not a good person. Jacob lived up to his name. He was a swindler. He was a supplanter. He was a deceiver. He was a liar. He was a cheat. And when I looked at his life, it became evident to me that Jacob is a type or a symbol of another deceiver in the Bible, the devil. And so I want to show you the, 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 how Jacob operated and the devices and the schemes that Jacob did and how the devil does the same thing. Now, we know that the Bible tells us that Satan is a supplanter. He tries to control people. He tries to overthrow God. He fails. He tries to overthrow the people of God. He tried to overthrow God in heaven. Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning being cast out of heaven. He said, I will raise my throne above the throne of God. You know, just what an idiot that he thought he could overthrow God. But that's what he is. He's a supplanter. He tried to overthrow the Son of God in the wilderness. When Jesus was in earthly body, he'd been fasting for 40 days. He was weak. Uh, the devil shows up and tries to overthrow Jesus. It didn't work. He shows up in the Garden of Eden, and he overthrows the Garden of Eden, overthrows Adam and Eve, and, and ultimately casts the whole human race into the bondage of sin. So that's what he does. We also know he's a, a deceiver. Uh, I, I thought Leah was going to preach my message, and she was spot on today. John eight forty four. Jesus said, The devil does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. One translation says he speaks his native language. 
for he is a liar and the father of it. So let me just help somebody today. Anytime the devil shows up and starts whispering something in your ear and tells you that you're no good, you're a mistake, you're a failure, you're not saved, you're not full of the Holy Ghost, you're not going to heaven, just think the opposite of whatever the devil says. Because that's the truth, because the devil is a liar every time. So I came here today to tell you that the Bible warns us not to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. So while I don't like to preach about the devil, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to identify the schemes, the tactics of the enemy so that we can know how through the power of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome and be victorious. And so we can learn a lot about how the devil thinks by studying the life of Jacob. So I'm going to take you through. So here, there's just three things I want to share with you. Here's the first thing. If you are not saved, if you are not saved, the devil will work hard to keep you from getting saved. If you are not saved today, the devil is going to work as hard as he can to keep you in your sins and keep you from coming to the Lord. Now let me show you this. The, before these two twin babies were born, Genesis 25.2 says the children struggled within their mother. There was an internal conflict occurring between Jacob and Esau. And it is very common for a sinful person to experience an internal conflict when God convicts that person and reaches out that person to try to draw them to him. That, that, that sinner wants to get saved. He knows he needs Jesus, but he's a slave to the devil. He's a slave to sin, and he's going to be wrestling inside, internally, because there's a part of him trying to stop him from being saved. Now, here's what else the Bible says. During the birth of the twins, okay, Esau was the firstborn. He came out. Jacob reached out of his mother's womb and grabbed a hold of his brother's heel. It's like, it was almost like he was getting a free ride. Okay, so there's, but, but the other thing that got him his name is that he reached up and it's like he's, watch this, he's hindering the birth of his brother. He's trying to pull him back into the womb. You don't, I don't want you to be born. I want to be first before you, and I want you to not be first. I don't even want you around. He's hindering the birth of his brother, and that's how he got his name. So what does that tell me? The devil doesn't try to keep you from being born, but he'll fight hard to keep you from being born again. There is a parable that Jesus told of the sower. Man went out and sowed seeds. And then he said some seed fell on the wayside and some on stony ground and some on thorny ground and then some on good ground. Well, he lets us know that the seed that fell on the wayside, the road, is, is not going to do anything. And that's the word of God being preached. And he says that surface is not conducive to, to grow plants. And so the birds of the air come and eat it and take it away, snatch it away. And Jesus said, identify the birds of the air. He said, it's the enemy. So sometimes the gospel is preached, and before the, the word can take root and help the sinner and the gospel does what it needs to do, the devil comes and he snatches that word away. So see, what I'm preaching to you is, is powerfully represented in that parable. So when God convicts you and deals with your heart, the devil will take steps to keep you from getting right with God. He will create distractions. I have been in churches where, where ladies will have their baby in the sanctuary. Now, we really try to encourage 
you to take your child to the nursery. We have a fantastic top notch. But every once in a while, they bring them, the, and you watch. They'll, they'll go for several seconds. That baby won't do a thing, be quiet. But you let a sinner come in that is hearing the gospel, and, they're, and God is dealing with them, and that baby will scream at the top of their lungs, and that mama loses her sense, doesn't have enough sense to get that baby out of the sanctuary, and that sinner's totally distracted. I've seen it happen more than once. Y'all better pull your shoes up, I mean your, your toes up. But I, I have known of times where there has been somebody sitting in this church that needed Jesus, and they're trying to hear the gospel, and two members of the church are sitting in front of them, and instead of being respectful to God and God's house and the man of God and paying attention, they spend the whole service whispering to each other, oh, you don't have to amen me. I'm going to preach this morning. You don't realize you're a puppet of the devil, and that person cannot, cannot focus because those people are too disrespectful and are talking the whole service. The devil will do whatever he can to keep a sinner from being born again. He'll whisper in your ear, put it off until the next time. You don't have to get saved today. He'll use another sinner to talk you out of going to the altar or make a commitment to Jesus Christ. I just wanted to come here today and tell you if God is dealing with you to be saved and the devil is trying to talk you out of it, don't you dare listen to the devil. Fight and win that internal battle and give your life to Jesus Christ. Don't feed the devil. Don't give it. Billy Graham used to t- preach and tell the story about, a, about an Eskimo fisherman who would come into town and he had two dogs, a white dog and a black dog. And those two dogs would fight each other and the townspeople, the other fishermen, they would place bets on which dog would win. And the, and the Eskimo fisherman, the owner of the dogs, he would always place bets. Well, guess what? Every time he placed a bet, his dog would win. And so somebody finally came to him one day and said, how is it that you know which dog's going to win? He said, I'll tell you how, because I starve the one and I'll feed the other one. And whichever one I feed is always stronger. So I just came here to tell you there are certain things in your life that you need to starve and certain things you need to feed. And if Jesus is dealing with you and the Holy Spirit is convicting you and the devil's trying to talk you out of it, starve the devil and feed the Lord and say, God, I'm going to listen to you and I'm headed your direction and I'm not going to let the devil win this time. Tuesday night I had the privilege to go to the Great Court Church of God and They've had a, a, a revival, and I was the speaker on Tuesday night and had the privilege to preach that night. And, and when I preach to you, uh, it's different because as a pastor, you operate in a different anointing. And, and I already know you, and I know things about you, but when I go as an evangelist, there's a different anointing that comes on you, and you flow in the gifts, and, 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 and it's just, I operate totally different, and, and there's less of a time constraint. And so I went that night, and I preached that God is able, and I preached how God is able to save you, and God is able to restore you, and God is able to set you free, and God is able to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I just had these things that I preached that God gave me. And then I gave a, an altar call. And just a general altar call with some people came to the altar. And then, and then they were blessed. And then I, I told them, I said, well, you think the service is over? I said, we're just getting started. And I started flowing in the Holy Ghost. And there were two teenage boys sitting over to my left right here. And the Lord said, call them out. So I said, young men, will you come out here? They came down to the altar. And I said, I want to pray over you. I said, the Lord called me to tell me to pray for you. And I looked at one. I said, you, are you a Christian? He said, yes. I looked at the other one. His name was Connor. He's 17 years old. I said, you saved? He said, no. 
sort of a stoic kid. Kind of took me back for a minute. And I said, well, Connor, I'm going to tell you something. I'm proud of you that you would right here in front of everybody be, be honest. And I started witnessing to that young man. And I really felt the, the Lord, but I could tell there was a struggle going, on, struggle going on that young man. Well, I prayed over them, and they went back to their seats, and then I kept moving and operating. There was a lady there that I asked her to come down, and, man, I started operating in the word of knowledge, and God just, I never met this lady in my life. God started showing me things, and I started speaking to her. I had the mic down. I didn't want anybody to hear that. But I was speaking into her life. I mean, I'm talking about some deep stuff. And I told her, I said, if I'm wrong, you tell me. Tears are streaming out. And she said, no, you're, you're right on. I ministered to her and gave her a word from the Lord. To grant. Her mother told me after church she filled in all the blanks. And it was like, wow. But you see, God will do that kind of thing because, see, I don't know her. She doesn't know me. But that lets her know God knows who she is. See, you can know the word. It's not like somebody manufactured. It's not like the pastor got me in the office before church. And so I was about ready to finish the service. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, nope, you're going to do one more thing. And I said, okay, the Holy Spirit, we're going to close with that. I said, the Holy Spirit said there are five people in this church that you are hungry for God. Five people in this church. You, you want to go deeper in God. You're ready for a personal revival. I said, I want you to step out. This is your night. God's going to touch you slowly like pulling eye teeth. They were coming down one and finally then another two. I thought, good Lord, nobody wants revival. Three. Finally, a fourth person, and I was waiting on that fifth one. I saw motion out of my left eye and my peripheral, and I looked over, and guess who was walking down to the altar? Yeah, 17-year-old Connor with tears running down his face. With this microphone, I said out loud, what are you doing down here? I said, what are you doing down here? I said, you want to get saved? He said, yes, I want to get saved. I know we're on camera, but y'all going to have to follow me. I was down here in the altar. The pastor, who's a wonderful man, he was over here. He'll tell you he's more of a laid-back kind of guy. When that boy came down, his member came down, the Holy Ghost got on him. He started doing this stuff, the power of God. He started, I grabbed him. I said, Pastor, you don't have time to shout. Come on. You got a member that needs Jesus. Get over here and lead him to the Lord. And the pastor went over there, and Connor gave his life to Jesus. Christ and God said, I'm telling you the devil will want to stop the teenagers. He'll stop anybody, but don't you let the devil have his way. Hallelujah. So if you're not saved, the devil will try to keep you from getting saved. Here's the second thing. If you are saved, the devil will try to get you to backslide. He'll try to get you to give up your birthright. You're born again, you have a birthright. Okay, so here's what happened. When baby Jacob, baby Jacob, couldn't get ahead of his brother to be the firstborn, couldn't stop the birth from happening, grabbed his heel and tried, then adult Jacob, grown-up Jacob, connived to take it from him. In the Old Testament, the firstborn son was granted special privileges and advantages called the birthright. Have y'all ever heard of this? It's really cool. You, you, for example, Esau would receive a double portion of the family estate, and he would be the spiritual leader of the clan. Double portion of the will. Do y'all know for years I've been trying to do this with my mom and dad unsuccessfully? Am I making this up, Leah? I'm not. I'm not. For years I've said, Dad, I'll, every once in a while I'll say, Dad, listen, I'm the firstborn. I should get twice as much as Sonia, okay? So you need to call an attorney. Get this will changed. And my dad just shakes his head at me. And my mom says, nope, nope, 50-50, right down the middle. I said, but mom, that ain't biblical. I'm hoping. Y'all help me pray. 
So that's the birthright. So one day, this is in the Bible. I couldn't read all this stuff to y'all. One day, Esau came in from hunting and was famished. Evidently, he didn't eat breakfast. He didn't stop by Bojangles. He didn't take a little, you know, granola bar. He was about to pass out. And his brother Jacob had cooked a big pot of stew. And Esau said, give me some of that stew, man. I'm about to die. And old sneaky Jacob, little brother, said, all right. He said, I'll make a deal with you. He said, I'll give you some stew, but that's the price of your birthright. Sell me your birthright. And Esau foolishly sold his birthright to his brother. Now, let me show you two things. One. Jacob took advantage of Esau in his moment of weakness. The appetite of his flesh prevailed over the spiritual things. Now, y'all listen. I don't care how long you've served the Lord. I don't care how holy you think you are. You, I, hopefully, you're full of the Holy Ghost and fire. Praise God. But everybody in this room and those of you watching on, by Internet, we all have weaknesses. You say, well, I don't have any. Well, that's your weakness right there. That's the worst one of all if you don't know that you do. You're fresh meat for the devil. We all have proclivities. We all have propensities. We all have thin places in our lives. And don't you know the devil knows what they are? He does. And he will target you in a moment of weakness and tempt you to sin. Why? Because he wants your birthright. He wants you to backslide. He doesn't want you to be born again. He doesn't want you to have all the blessings of God and the privileges that comes as a child of God. And that's why the Bible says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You cannot give in to the devil. Here's the second thing that I learned. Genesis 25, 34 says Esau despised his birthright. It held no value to him. It meant something to God, but it wasn't important to Esau. As a matter of fact, that word despise meant it was contemptuous to him. He didn't see it as something positive. He saw it as a negative. So you better listen to me close. When you despise and devalue the things of God, okay, your birthright as a child of God, when you despise that and you devalue that and it's not very important to you, you can and you probably will backslide. You'll find yourself selling out to this world and to the things of this world. I know people right now that I'm concerned about because they're all wrapped up in money and possessions and, and prestige and, and, and influence and power. And they come to church and they say they're saved, and they want to serve the Lord. I don't think that their heart is hard. They want to serve the Lord, but the problem is the things of this world have more of a pool and more of a sway and mean more to them than the things of God, and that's why they only show up to church once every four Sundays in a month. So when you backslide, you better watch it 
because you devalue the things of God. And if you devalue the things of God, you'll backslide. Now watch it. Here's what happens. When you devalue the things of God, your wife gets up. You get up Sunday morning. Are we going to church today? I don't know. I just thought we'd go to the mountains. And then the next Sunday you get up. Are we going to church today? Well, I just thought we'd go to the lake today. And then the next Sunday you get up. Are we going to church? Well, I thought we'd go over to Aunt Martha's and visit her. You know, she hadn't been doing well. And then you get up the next Sunday. Well, we probably ought to go to church. And you go one time. What kind of spiritual life do you have going to church 12 times a year? You don't have to amen me. I'm going to preach this anyway. What kind of spiritual life, what kind of spiritual leader, sir, are you in your house when you cannot show up to church more than 12 times a year? Are we going to take the kids to church? No, we'll just, we'll skip. So what are you teaching your kids? You're teaching your kids to devalue church and the things of God. You only show up to church once every four weeks. You're telling your kids, that's, my, that's our value system. Church isn't valuable. When you grow up, what did you all do growing up? Did you ever go to church? Uh, we did if we weren't going to the mountains or the lake. What did you do growing up? We always went to the mountains and the lake. I'm married now. I guess I ought to go to church, but we didn't go to church much. Mom and Dad, is that the legacy you want? I know it's quiet in here, and I don't know what you all doing at home watching this, but I'm preaching right now. I'm all up in your stuff, and I'm preaching right now because more things are caught than they are taught. You can teach your kids that they ought to go to church, but if you're not, if they're not catching that, they're catching something else. We gonna pay the tithes this week? Nah, I thought I'd, I'd buy something. I was something I really been wanting. We'll just give it next week. We gonna get the kids in Sunday school and kids church and keep them in there on a consistent basis? No, that's not really important. See, well, I don't say that, Pastor. No, but your actions are lack thereof. Make a statement and create a value system. And when you devalue the things of God, I have members right now. I'm worried about their souls. I haven't seen them in forever. You say, well, Pastor, it's been COVID-19. You're right, but they were doing this pre-COVID. I'm worried about them. But the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him or her. So listen, if you don't watch it and you despise the things of God, you'll find yourself selling out to this world and the things of this world. And when you backslide, you give up a relationship with Jesus. When you backslide, you give up a place in heaven. When you backslide, you give up eternal life. When you backslide, you give up immortality and incorruptibility. When you backslide, you give up a future reign in the kingdom of God. When you backslide, you move from being spiritual to profane, to having a careless attitude toward God. I know I'm preaching hard, so let me just flip this thing. Y'all, please, I'm begging you as your man of God and the spiritual leader in your life, don't devalue the things of God. Whatever you do, don't give up on Jesus. Don't turn your back on God. It's like the old song says, I've got too much to gain to lose. Nothing that sin offers you, nothing that the world offers you can compare to walking with Jesus. So I came here today to say to you, stay the course. Stay true to the Lord. Stay committed to Jesus. Jesus said, be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. And I got good news for you today. If you say, Pastor, it's too late, I've already done it. 
If you're backslidden, there's good news. You can always come home. The story of the prodigal son is a story of hope to the backslider. And, and God is a God of a second chance. And you can never sin beyond the saving power and grace of Almighty God. It doesn't matter how long you've been in it. You can always come home. And, and, and I'm just calling you today. Come home. The Bible says if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I remember reading this story years ago. Of It's a true story of, and I believe it was in China. There was an underground church in China, and these Chinese Christians, they were born again, serving the Lord. They, they, they were caught by the communists. And there was six of them, five, six of them that were lined up and there was a squad of soldiers with rifles, and the officer in charge said, now here's how this is going to work. If you will denounce Christianity and Jesus Christ and re-embrace Maoism and communism, then we will let you live. But if you will not renounce Jesus Christ and embrace communism, you will be shot today. And all six men stood there until the officer said, ready, aim, and just before they were to pull the trigger, the one on the end said, stop. He said, I'll renounce Christ. I don't want to die for Jesus. I'll, I'll embrace communism. And they let him go. And at that moment, the officer or the soldier that was directly across from him who had his rifle pointed at him threw his rifle to the ground and ran over to the ones that were to be killed and stood there like this. And the officer came over screaming at him saying, what are you doing? Pick up your rifle and get back in line. And he said, no, sir, I will not. I'm going to stand here and die with these men. And he said, have you lost your mind? Pick your rifle up and Get back in line. What are you doing? He said, no, sir. When I was just about to pull the trigger, I saw six golden crowns coming down from heaven on the heads of every one of these men. And when that one denounced Christ, his crown went back up into heaven. I want his crown. I believe in Jesus. Then the officer said, today you'll die for your faith. And he was shot and killed. I'm telling you, you've got too much to gain to lose. My God, somebody give him praise in this Dad used to tell the story of a guy that went to church was backslidden. An evangelist was there in a revival. They sang that night. It was a Pentecostal church like this when people got happy. And then the evangelist preached. He gave an altar call, and that backslider came to the altar and got saved. When the service was over, the evangelist got a hold of him and said, Hey, thank God you came back to the Lord. But I just want to ask you, this is for me. Could you just tell me what point in my message, what was it that I said that God used to touch your heart? And rather sheepishly, the guy said, well, pastor, preacher, evangelist, he said, wasn't really anything you did at all. That's awkward. And so the evangelist said, okay. He said, well, then what was it? Listen to me now. He said, well, during the singing, he said, these folks got happy. He said, there was a little old grandma up in the front Little white-haired grandma. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. About it. I'm about to shout right now. Woo, I'm glad I'm Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed to be spirit-filled. I said I'm not ashamed to be full of the Holy Ghost, anybody. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I want everybody to know it. I'm not ashamed. She, he said, that little white-haired woman said she jumped up and started shouting 
like we Pentecost. He said, when I saw her, he said, I had memories of my grandma who used to take me to church. And that's when I used to live right. My grandma used to, she'd live right. She was a godly woman. He said, I forgot about that. But he said, when I saw that woman shouted, I remember my grandma and I realized I needed what my grandma had. And I made up my mind. I was coming back to Jesus tonight. Listen, high praises. You can't afford to sit on your hands during the praise and worship. You better get on your feet. You better sing to the top of your lungs. You better raise your hands and clap your hands because somebody might be watching you in this service. Hallelujah. If you're backslidden, you can come home. Here's the last thing I want to preach. It won't be long. So before you're saved, the devil will try to keep you from getting saved. After you're saved, the devil will try to get you to backslide. But listen to me. After you're saved... The devil will try to steal your blessing. Now this brings us to the text. The blessing belonged to the firstborn. It was something special. It was real. It's not like we say down south, well, bless her heart. I've had to explain to all the Yankees that move here and come to our church what that means. We got a sweet, wonderful couple right here. They're laughing right now. Remember we went out to eat. They know who they are. I had to explain. They're from New Jersey. I had to explain what bless your heart means. They halfway knew it. I said, sometimes when something really bad happens, we'll say, oh, bless your heart. We mean it. I then said, sometimes you just act stupid. And we behind your back, bless their heart. Which means you're so stupid. Come on, am I right? But this was a real blessing. Isaac, as the spiritual leader, was going to pray a a blessing upon Esau. That blessing was going to be material prosperity, political supremacy, the cursing of all his enemies. But old sneaky Jacob went in there, put on his clothes. Isaac was blind, see? And went in there and cooked him some food. And he said, well, you sound like Jacob. Oh, no, I'm, I'm Esau. He said, come here. And he smelled his clothes. He said, smells like Esau, but it sounds like Jacob. Listen, the devil will make things look good and smell good, but you better hear the voice behind it. You better know the voice of God instead of the voice of the devil. And Jacob gave him the blessing. And then Esau comes in. And Jacob, or Isaac, trembled, trembled. He said, what about me, Dad? He said, you're going to get a blessing, but it's going to be a lesser blessing. He said, the blessing of the firstborn has gone to your brother. So Ephesians 1.3 says, now listen to this. This is really powerful. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Not just some. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You you need to understand. Heaven has a storeroom filled with blessings with your name on them. So if you walk in fear instead of faith, you'll not receive them. If you cater to the flesh instead of the spirit, you'll never experience them. And and I, I just can't tell you the times that people have confessed to me, Pastor, I should have moved. I knew I was supposed to step out. God told me to do something, but I was afraid. Or there was just something that held me back. Yeah, I know who that something was. It was a someone. It was the devil. And I just didn't move. Oh, I missed 
my blessing. <laughs> they say, if only I'd given that offering, if only I'd helped that poor person, if only I'd gone to the altar, if only I'd raised my hand when you said raise my hand, if only I'd let you lay your hands on me, Pastor, if only I'd been obedient to Jesus. But the enemy quietly whispers in your ear and talks you out of your blessing. And all you're left with are regrets. So, you need to know today, today, so many blessings are waiting on you right now. A closer walk with Jesus, a deeper understanding of God's word, a richer prayer life, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing, a spiritual breakthrough, a personal revival. But the only way you lose it is if you give in to the devil. So I just came here this morning to say to you, don't let the devil steal your blessing. Tell the devil, get behind me, Satan, when God starts telling you to be obedient. Make up your mind you're going to go after God and the things of God. And when you feel the presence of the Lord, determine that you're going to get your blessing right then and there. Last Sunday morning, we had a lady in our church that has been under attack of the enemy. I mean under a vicious attack. I'll not go into all the details, but I mean this has been blatant spiritual warfare. She emailed me. She's been desperate. Last Sunday morning after church, she came up, and I, I wanted to pray for her. She came up. She told me what's happening. I said, I'm going to anoint you with all which represents the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. God's going to break this thing off of you. And I anointed her with all, and I laid my hands on her. And y'all, they sang it this morning. My wife tried to tell you, we have authority in the name of Jesus. In the natural, a demon is a lot bigger and stronger than me. But because I have the power and the authority of God Almighty, the devil has to yield when I exercise that authority. And I prayed over that woman and I said, devil, in the name of Jesus, you take your hands off of this woman because she's not your, see, she used to be the devil's property. She used to be in some deep, dark stuff. And I told her, I said, the devil's just trying to get you back from when you were in that old, deep, dark stuff. But the devil can't have you anymore because you don't belong to him. And I reminded the devil of that. I said, she's not yours anymore. She's a child of God. And you and I both know you can't cross the bloodline. So take your hands off of you. Her and I command you to go to dry places. Get in Arizona somewhere. Don't you come back to Anderson. You go to dry places where you belong. And God gave that woman the victory. Hallelujah. You can't afford to let the devil steal your blessing. I want you to stand with me in this church. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.